HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Kane Vineyard and Winery, a Napa Valley winery committed to respecting the soil and dedicated to the creation of three Cabernet blends. For more information, visit Kane5.com. I'm Laura Stanley, host of Inside School Food. You are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food on Heritage Radio Network with me, Erica Wides. And I know it's been a while since I did a show. I say that every time, don't I? But I'm back. (sighs) I'm sorry. It's been over a month since the last episode of Let's Get Real. And I know I haven't been exactly prolific with the shows this year. I mean, not like I used to be where I would do a new show practically every week. Because I had a lot to talk about. But, you know, it gets hard to think of stuff every week, people. I don't just sit here and make this up. I work on it. And I have other projects looming. It gets hard to make it happen. But uh, don't worry. I'm here for you. Just, you know, it's like we're all growing up and you have to learn to be a little bit more independent now. Right? Mommy's got to go off and do other things. But I'm back this week and we're live. And it's raining. And it's going to rain all week. And it's May 3rd. And it feels like fall, but we're all here together now, down here in the shelter, nice and cozy. And isn't that what's really important? Quality time, not quantity time, right? But before we start, before I get into the show this week, I want to make an announcement. Because part of the reason why I've been off the air this last month is that we here at Heritage Radio Network have been developing a brand new show. Yay for you. And yay, we launched it last week. Yay. We, my team and I, are now broadcasting a weekly food news roundup show, Heritage Radio Network News, anchored by me. Yay, me. Me and Patrick Martins, co-founder, or founder, sorry, of Heritage Radio Network, and former host of the main course, former and sometime host of the main course. Um, Patrick and I are co-anchoring the show, along with our very own Jack Inslee, who you know from this show, from the 
control room. Jack's our sports guy. And Heritage Radio's own crazy Mike Edison, if you ever listen to Arts and Seizures, he's our weather guy. So it's kind of like Eyewitness News meets 60 Minutes, but all about food via Bushwick. And um, it's going to be up on the site every Friday morning. Right, Dave? Friday morning-ish? Yeah, Friday morning. We record it on Thursday, but we post it Friday morning for your weekend downloading enjoyment. So you can take us with you to your summer share in the Hamptons every weekend, and we can all hang out there together. And I hope everybody's going to take a listen to the show because we've worked hard on it. And let me know what you think because um, we have. We've worked on it for like eight weeks now to try and get the tone of it just right, and I think we've got it. I think we hit just the right combined notes of informative and irreverent. Right? Kind of just like, let's get real. Informative, yet irreverent. And there's a good dose of editorializing that kind of slips in there, too. I mean, you know, if I'm the anchor, how could it not? Right? Uh. Anyway. So, check it out. Let me know what you think. We have one live episode up so far. And we'll do another one this Thursday. So, back to Let's Get Real Business. And today's show. Now, about a month ago, in the middle of all that news show run-up... Um, I was invited to attend an event that I wanted to tell you all about, but then I didn't get to because I didn't do a show. So I'm telling you now, it was at the end of March. Sometimes I get press invitations to various food events because technically I'm a member of the press. I know I'm a journalist, which I find hilarious, but I do get invited to these things once in a while. Now it's never anything really big or exciting or glamorous. Like I never get offered like a comp ticket to, you know, the James Beard Awards or, um, like the New York City Food and Wine Festival. It's not like that. It's more like I get invited to like tastings of new Estonian wines or like the new sheep cheese coming out of Albania. Like kind of second or third or maybe like ninth tier food events. Not A-list stuff. But you know what? Certainly interesting and quirky because who doesn't want to know about Estonia's wine production, right? I mean, come on. And I usually go to these things because A, it's free. And B, because it can actually be really interesting. And C, um, I don't get invited to much else, really. No one invites me to anything. So I went to this particular event. And this one, though, this one was different. This was super mainstream. This came through the Heritage Radio office and was forwarded on to me because nobody there wanted to go or was interested. But this one, this event was for KFC. Yes, KFC. The company formerly known as Kentucky Fried Chicken, the Colonel's House, coming to New York City to make a huge, huge announcement to the food journalism world. Huge, they kept saying. Huge, major announcement. Can't miss this event because this is going to be a earth-shattering major announcement. Okay. Now, to clarify my position here before you all get all judgy and why I wanted to go to this, well, I was intrigued. Because with so many huge food companies these days announcing things like uh, no more GMOs or no more artificial colors or only cage-free eggs, as some of the world's major food companies are doing, which is excellent news, I thought, wow, what's the colonel got up his baggy white sleeve then? Are they doing something huge? Like, are they going organic? Are they maybe going non-GMO or taking the soy out of their chicken feed or maybe pasture-raised only chickens? Who knows? Or maybe they've revamped the secret recipe after 60-something years. Who knows? I mean, this could be really big, and I could be there 
to experience it. And plus, there's a free lunch. And also, it's in Midtown, right near where I had a laser skincare appointment right afterwards. So I decided to go. Made sense, right? I had to be in Midtown anyway. I wouldn't go to Midtown otherwise. Now, about the free lunch, okay? Again, before everybody gets all judgy on me, I would not have been at all interested or excited about this if I thought we were only going to be invited there to eat regular old KFC. Okay, that's not exciting or interesting to me because I really try hard to limit the chicken that I eat at all to antibiotic-free and or organic and preferably pastured when I can, okay, which means I don't really eat chicken very much because I would rather avoid it because I find factory-farmed cheap chicken disgusting and there's really not much else I would rather not eat. The grammar of that sentence was wrong, but you get the point. I mean, give me a can of sardines instead. I'm, gonna, I'm happy. Thank you very much. I'm not going to eat your crappy industrial cheapo chicken. It just grosses me out. So I thought, well, you don't invite New York's pr- food media and press to an event with a huge announcement and then just serve them your standard buckets of crappy chicken. Do you? Right? Or do you? I, um... I don't know. We're going to find out. Let's take a brief break, and we're going to find out what happened when I went to Kentucky in Midtown Manhattan to hang out with the colonel. Oh, and also, Rachel Dratch was there, too. Huh. Stay tuned. Find out what happened. We'll be right back. This is Chris Howell from Cane Vineyard and Winery, calling in from Spring Mountain above the Napa Valley. Thank you for listening to this show. In our industrial world of highly processed food and wine, we support the values of Heritage Radio Network. All of us at Cane encourage you to seek out individuality and beauty in everything you eat and drink. To learn more about us, go to Cane5.com. The one and only Dave Arnold brings the noise to Heritage Radio Network every Tuesday on Cooking Issues. Coming to you live on the Heritage Radio Network from Roberta's Pizzeria in Bushwick and Brooklyn. If the bomb was going to drop and you only had 15 minutes, which is like, I can, I can make a sandwich in 15 minutes. He would be eating a sandwich. I'd kiss my wife, make a sandwich. If you believe that it's all about to be over, why eat healthy? Not a freaking Neanderthal. I like a tempered ice cream sandwich. But it's the only way to get around it if you're a party master because you, you're going to wind up, like, your kitchen's going to fill with dishes. And is Some there... people have commercial dishwashers in their house. Who? I've seen them. Who? I've seen them. Who? <laughs> really rich people. <laughs> For more mile-a-minute knowledge from Dave and the crew, listen to Cooking Issues, available on Heritage Radio Network, iTunes, and Stitcher. Welcome back to Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food. Wasn't sure what was happening there with Dave Arnold. I'm Erica Wides, your host. We're live today from Bushwick. So off I went on a rainy Monday morning, much like this one, although it's Tuesday, to this beautiful event space 
in a midtown loft building. Beautiful, right in the like fashion district. You could totally imagine like the fashion events going on there. And in the lobby of the building, we're greeted by cater waiters wearing white suits, like the colonel white suits. And we're handed an apron, and the apron has the outline of the colonel's jacket on them. So we also look like colonels, colonels, and not corn colonels, military. And then we're sent up in an elevator. And when we step off the elevator, we are in this all-white space. Like I said, usually used for fashion events. But this all-white space had been decorated with KFC memorabilia. And red and white flowers and filled with more cater waiters wearing white suits. Colonel Sanders style baggy white suits. But most of the cater waiters were women. And they were very like petite black and Hispanic women who frankly actually looked really good in the white suits. They were kind of rocking them, but more in like a Paula Abdul 1992 way than in a white southern plantation owner 1902 way less jackson mississippi more miss jackson okay but it worked now i had not up until that day eaten kfc in 30 years okay 30 years i remember exactly the last time i ate it because it was a very sort of distinctly clear memory it was a late summer afternoon after my high school graduation, like end, end of the summer, and I was at the beach with my group of friends who were actually in the process of ditching me as a friend over some stupid minor disagreement that we had all had, but I can't quite remember, but it had something to do with who had what color hair, like green or blue or purple, because we couldn't copy each other, and something to do with also our Converse high tops. I don't know. There were accusations flying, and they were about to dump me, but Whatever. This was <coughs> probably the last time I hung out with them before we all left for college. And we were at the local beach because Long Island. That's all there is to do. That's what you do on Long Island. Beach and drugs. And somebody had their mom's old 70s era convertible. And I remember we were riding around at the beach in the convertible and there was KFC in the car. Now, I don't remember whose decision it was to buy the chicken. But I distinctly remember the smell of it kind of mixed in with the sea air. And the pot smoke and the grease and thinking even then that it was kind of gross, but I think I probably ate it because we were high and I was 17 and wasn't really concerned with food at the time. That was the last time I ate KFC 30 years ago. 30 years ago, before most of you were even born, probably. Then I moved to New York City. I went to college. I became a totally misguided vegetarian. And I didn't eat KFC ever again until March 26, 2016, last month. So we're at this event. We're all kind of milling around this space during the cocktail hour where they're only serving sweetened iced tea, even though it was only 40 degrees and rainy out. And nobody's talking to each other, of course. Everyone's just looking at their phones and taking pictures of the memorabilia, like an original old white Colonel Sanders suit with grease stains on it, and old clocks from restaurants and chicken buckets and stuff like that. I actually put a picture up on the Let's Get Real Facebook page today of the suit, so you can take a look at the suit. So then they invite us to come in and sit down on these long white wooden picnic benches where they're going to make the big, huge announcement. And up steps a very small man from New Zealand who is the global CEO of KFC. Now, don't you think that's a little odd to begin with that this global CEO of KFC is from New Zealand? Right? 
doesn't quite represent the brand, but whatever. And he starts talking about how KFC is a huge, huge, huge booming success in 100 countries around the world, which already had me feeling sick knowing that. But that KFC was actually failing in America. KFC is not doing well here in the States. Hmm. What? I thought, I mean, it's such an American brand. You see it everywhere. Except then I thought, I never really see it anywhere. Not that I'm looking. And I suppose maybe there are better fried chicken options out there. We're definitely in like a serious fried chicken moment right now, at least here in New York. But I thought, I don't feel failed by you. I just wish you'd go away and take your industrial chicken with you. That's how I felt. And he said that KFC has 4,300 U.S. stores. 4,300 U.S. stores. But that they'd lost their way. And customers were complaining that things had changed. They were getting complaints. The stores didn't smell the same to them anymore. They didn't smell the same. And the bird didn't taste like they remembered it tasting from their past. Like some Proustian chicken-flavored Madeleine experience of youth, they couldn't recapture their rapturous chicken experiences of their childhood visits to the colonels, and they felt abandoned by the brand, apparently. Well, this was totally unacceptable to New Zealand KFC CEO guy. And so they did a total reevaluation and an overhaul of their U.S. systems, remodeled 3,000 of the 4,300 stores, retrained every single employee to make sure that the secret recipe and the breading technique were standardized in every store so that no matter where you went, that greasy, salty, otherwise flavorless chicken would be exactly the same. Nobody should feel sad about their KFC store smelling different from the one at the next interstate exit or strip mall location. Nobody. And so he was proud to announce that they were here today in front of the world's food media and press and me to introduce the re-kernelization of KFC. That's what they called it. That's what their trillion dollar marketing budget came up with. The re-kernelization of KFC, following in the wake of their new Colonel campaign, which you may have seen on TV, in which Daryl Hammond of minor SNL fame is now playing the the Colonel, the new Colonel, after the decades long dead Harlan Sanders, the original actual Colonel, who was this Southern white guy with white hair. Now Daryl Hammond is playing the new Colonel. He's been recolonized. The recolonization campaign at KFC which now offers a taste guarantee. Taste guarantee. Their chicken is guaranteed by the corpse of the dead colonel himself to taste exactly the same in every store and exactly as you remember it from any random stoned afternoon in late summer 1985 when you realized all your friends hated you or your money back. That was the huge announcement that we were all sitting uncomfortably on wooden benches for in a cold, drafty Midtown showroom. Well, okay. I thought, that's useless. I just wasted my morning. I could have been at the gym. Now, will he announce their new sustainability initiative? I mean, where's the big news? Will he announce their move to GMO-free, their refusal to use chickens raised in battery cages? What's next? What's the big real announcement? Uh, no. Nothing to that point. Because now... We were all being invited to get up from the wooden benches and move to the other room where there was this kitchen 
setup, like a super cute, charming, homey, southern-style kitchen set that had been built, all red and white and checkered tablecloths and wooden cupboards, and then a full KFC breading and fryer station lineup in front of it, and KFC's own global corporate chef, Brian something or other, because they're all named Brian, aren't they? I don't even know his last name. It doesn't matter, but he's their global corporate chef. I can't imagine what he does all day because now chicken tastes exactly the same in every single store and nothing's going to change ever again. But that's his job. So Brian something, the actual corporate chef, who will now be actually showing us the actual seven-step patented method of breading and frying the real KFC, which will never change and taste exactly the same in all 4,300 stores all over the world forever. But if that wasn't exciting enough, joining... Chef Brian was none other than super megastar and former SNL cast member Rachel Dratch. Who? You may be asking, who's Rachel Dratch? Rachel Dratch, she was on Saturday Night Live from 1999 to 2006. I had to look it up. I couldn't really remember when she was on. Remember Rachel Dratch? She was Debbie Downer. That was her famous character, Rachel Dratch. Now, Rachel's actually done a lot of funny stuff since SNL. She's been in movies. She's been on TV shows. She was actually supposed to play Jenna on 30 Rock, but it didn't test well, and so it went to, I forgot her name, the blonde. Oh, my God, what's her name? I like her, too. But anyway, in 2006, her last season on SNL, that was 10 years ago, okay? So people might not remember her anymore, but she's a really funny lady, and I like her work, and I respect her, and I think she's great and i would love to have her here on the show anytime here in the fallout shelter anytime she wants to come on rachel dratch is totally welcome to hang out here in the fallout shelter with me because you know what she's even shorter than me so we need to be bffs okay and on her imdb page it says she's five feet tall but you know what i'm 411 and she was shorter than me so uh let's get that straight rach okay but anyway Anytime you want to come on, you're welcome. And I told her that when I met her at the thing. She was like, oh, yeah, you can call my agent. Now, can't you just see the marketing people for KFC in this meeting, right? Everyone's sitting around a giant table talking about this huge initiative and this big relaunch, talking about this press event. We're going to have the New York food media press there and saying, well, we need a celebrity. It's going to be too expensive to bring our new colonel, Daryl Hammond, even though he's probably under contract to them. So if we can't get him, let's see which other former SNL minor cast member we can get. And they came up with Rachel Dratch. And Rachel herself actually seemed kind of perplexed about why she was there, but she was being a really good sport about it. And later when she was circulating and chatting, I asked her about it and she said, well, my agent called and they said they wanted me and it was good money and they were sending a car. So here I am. Hey, I totally respect that, okay? I would have done the same thing if I were you. So, props to you, Rach. So, we're all standing there, and we watch Rachel with Chef Brian something as they take us through the super secret, but not anymore, really super secret, seven-step breading and frying technique, which includes soaking the chicken in water for seven minutes. Water. Tossing the giant bag of secret spice mix into a tub of flour, mixing it seven times, tossing the chicken in it seven times. A lot of sevens involved. I think maybe the colonel was somewhat superstitious. 
and then laying it out in a specific way on these specifically designed racks in this like specific pattern before it went into their very specifically designed patented fryer. Okay. So we watched this happen. She was a totally good sport about it. She's so tiny. She could hardly lift the tub of chicken, but it was funny. Then we get invited downstairs to go to lunch. So we walk downstairs to this other space and I'm still holding out hope here that there's something new, something exciting and special about to happen, that they're going to introduce some great new item, like a special new chicken option that they're launching. And I'm already imagining myself in some random airport somewhere, hungry and tired and thinking, oh, yeah, KFC now has that pasture-raised organic chicken served over broccoli rob with pumpkin seeds and Brussels sprouts. I can eat that. I went to that event. I was the first one to hear about it. I mean, a girl can hope, right? And I'm still, I'm hoping, I'm holding out hope that there's something really exciting and new about to be announced to us, presented to us, other than just that the chicken's going to taste exactly the same as it always has for the next 60 years in 4,300 stores. And we sit down at these super long picnic tables. They were probably 50 feet long, and they're all set in red and white with flowers and memorabilia, and there's baskets of their famous biscuits on the table. And some people are getting really excited about the biscuits and they keep talking about the biscuits and how big the great the biscuits are and I take one of the biscuits and frankly, it's gross. It's squishy and sweet and kind of gummy. Not delicious that biscuit. And the waiters are coming around and they're offering us an option of Pepsi or Diet Pepsi. And my hopes begin to sink. And then they set in front of everybody our lunch and it's three little plastic tubs first and each plastic tub has one of their famous sides one is coleslaw one is mac and cheese and one is mashed potatoes where's the broccoli rob where's the brussels sprouts where's the organic free-range chicken i'm waiting for and on each little tub is printed the words reusable container just to remind your average kfc user that they don't have to throw away their disposable container that their crap food comes in they could take it home and reuse it again Isn't that nice of them and green and sustainably minded? Then the waiters come around with big platters of the chicken, and I'm thinking, oh, maybe this is some new special chicken they're launching. And I ask, and they're like, no, this is just our classic fried chicken, standard KFC chicken, and they offer us which parts. And I say, I'll take a thigh, and the waiter hands me a breast because nobody taught the waiters the different chicken parts at the big KFC event. So it's nothing exciting, nothing new, no big innovation, just the same old industrial chicken tasting exactly the way it tasted in that convertible at the beach 30 years ago when I realized high school was over. So I taste the side dishes just to see, see what all the hype is about, because apparently people love their side dishes. And then I understand. It all becomes so clear to me. I totally understand so well. How the American palate is only changing in a very small segment of the population. We sit here and talk all week here at Heritage Radio about food in America and it's changing and revolution and the whole paradigm and blah, blah, blah. It's just us talking to ourselves in here because the coleslaw was sweet, sickly sweet and thick with watery mayo. And the mac and cheese was so overcooked and sweet also. How can mac and cheese be sweet? And it was gummy and just bland just bland how can mac and cheese be so bland it doesn't taste like cheese and the mashed potatoes they were like hospital food and i've never even been in the hospital but they tasted to me like hospital food and i thought this is the big announcement 
this is what I took the day off. Well, I had nothing to do, but took the day off from to go to. And then the chicken, which I did eat because by then I was starving and I had to go to boot camp class right after before the laser skin appointment. The chicken was frankly just bleh. That's the only word. Salty, bland, greasy. Which I suppose are the three flavors Americans like best. Salty, bland, and greasy. It was just bleh. That's the word. That's my Proustian Madeline description. Bleh. Or bland. Either one. Standard bland American middle of the road flavor and texture. And then I read an article the other day. All about this website called allrecipes.com. If you've ever Googled a recipe, that will be your first search engine result is allrecipes.com. They are huge. They are the Google of food recipes on the internet. The biggest and most powerful food and recipe search engine out there. They're the top site when you do a recipe search because they have this incredibly powerful search engine. And guess what their most popular and most searched for recipe in America is? Just take a guess. Just think about it. Cheesy broccoli casserole. Cheesy broccoli casserole made with a can of condensed cheese soup, a pound or so of processed American Velveeta-type cheese, and frozen broccoli. Cheesy broccoli casserole, our number one most searched for, most popular dish on the internet. Cheesy broccoli casserole. In our country of such tremendous bounty and food innovation and, and culinary just genius, where literally any food from the world that you want to try is only a short trip away at Whole Foods or Trader Joe's or even your basic supermarket, Kroger, Piggly Wiggly. They've all got them. Publix. Now, I know I live in a bubble of urban, snooty, cutting-edge food, and I eat like an elite, but cultures can change, right? Right? Hello? KFC, you listening? And poor Rachel Dratch, as part of her deal, she then had to sit down and eat at each of the long tables with us. She had to move from table to table and sit down and eat and pretend, or maybe she wasn't pretending, to love her chicken and chat with all the people. And she was being a total trooper about it, I have to say. I hope she was paid well, because she was being a real trooper. And she was chatting away, but you could kind of see it in her eyes, the vague befuddlement, the... What am I doing here? Feeling that she was feeling. Although I'm sure, you know, she got paid well. And she nailed her chicken frying demo. And you know what? I would have done it too for the right price. Just kidding. Don't send me mean tweets. Stop with the judginess, okay? Even I have standards. I would draw the line. Well, depends how many zeros there were after that line. But what really stuck, struck me, stuck me, what really struck me about the whole event was that it was a whole big day full of hot air. Big, fat nothingness. Millions of dollars spent on a big announcement of a big zero goose egg. This huge announcement in this era of companies feeling the pressure from all of us in the food world and companies making massive responsible changes to their products, taking out GMOs, taking out artificial colors, really stepping up their game, I must say, a lot of them. Nestle and M&M Mars and General Foods, they're all doing it. KFC is just saying, okay, we'll just stay right here. And we're just going to make sure it tastes the same, no matter what. We guarantee it. Recernalization, taste guaranteed. That's not exactly a step forward. That's just kind of dancing in place. 
Now, I understand nostalgia and that people want stuff to taste the same. Look, consistency is key in the food world. That's what I'm always screaming at cooks when I'm training them. Consistency is key. It's got to taste exactly the same every day. But in the state of the world today, with obesity and diabetes and heart disease killing us off in record numbers, and not just here, by the way, but especially, particularly in the markets where KFC is booming, like China and Mexico and the Arab states, those are the three fattest regions in the world now, okay? Shouldn't a company like KFC step up instead of stepping back? I mean, I don't know. I don't want to be, you know, Debbie Downer, because that was Rachel's job, but come on, Colonel. Let's get the troops in line before they're all too fat to stand up and fight for themselves. Okay? Well, look at that. We're out of time. That was my trip down the KFC rabbit hole. We are just about out of time. But please don't forget to listen to our new news show. It will be up on the site on Friday morning. It's called Heritage Radio Network News with me and Patrick and Jack and Mike Edison. Thanks for listening. We're just about out of time. Thanks to Dave Tatt in the control room, Jack Kinsley, as always, and Ben Kaplan, who wrote my theme music. And thanks to the Colonel. And hey, Rachel Dratch, let me know. Come on the show. We'll have a great time. You get pizza. It's better than KFC. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.